You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Before we get started, we are two writers who've got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Well, I hope you guys all had a great weekend. We have a lot to get into Today, we're going to be getting into some more fan voicemails because it is the bye week, so we don't have our normal setup, and we have a lot of good voicemails to get into. We'll talk about some coaching mistakes and if any coaches have to go, as well as how we are feeling about the rest of the season coming up in the voicemails and also about John Kegley's negativity. But we're going to start the show with an offensive report card for the Chargers offense through the first five weeks of the season as they get done with their bye week. So we're going to start there and talk about which positions performed the best for the Chargers offensively so far this season. So let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers bye week is now over, but we do have a report card for the offensive side of the ball through the first five weeks of the season. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. Gavino Borquez from BoltBeat.com came out with an offensive report card for the Chargers through five weeks of the season. And as you would expect, there are some very low grades for certain parts of the offense. But we'll start with the positions that did well offensively. And you have to start with the quarterback position, which got an A in this offensive report card. And it all starts with Justin Herbert and his remarkable start through his first four games and through the Chargers' first five games of the seasons and the second one on the list that did pretty good was the wide receivers and Keenan Allen has been a number one wide receiver easily in his time with Justin Herbert so far but there's also some other guys David that have really come through for them so would you looking at the Chargers offense I do think those are the bright spots so far yeah no question about it I mean I think you look at the quarterback position and you got Tyra Taylor who started that first game and that was the the game where the Chargers actually got a win their only win on the year Justin Herbert thrust into action where nobody was expecting it and he comes in and performs extremely well 1,195 yards 10 touchdowns and only three interceptions in his four games although he is 0-4 But I think this grade is more about the future. I think you're excited with everything you've been able to see from Justin Herbert, his mobility, his arm, his accuracy, what he does in the pocket under pressure. Uh, He has everything that you are looking for, and it just makes you very excited for what his future can possibly be. And then you see the wide receivers. Of course, Keenan Allen has been his normal fantastic self he's definitely established a good rapport with justin herbert 34 catches 356 yards two touchdowns it also seems like justin herbert and mike williams are starting to establish that connection as well in the last game mike williams had 
over 100 yards receiving and two touchdowns in that game, as well as a couple of phenomenal grabs. And then, of course, you also get contributions from guys like Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, just places you didn't really expect, Daniel. So those two positions, quarterback and wide receiver, I think have been very much the glowing bright spots so far this year. Yeah, and I think the only surprise is the lack of production from the rookies, Joe Reed and KJ Hill, fifth and seventh round picks respectively. But the other two guys, Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton, have the speed and could put up decent productions as third wide receivers if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both healthy. But Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert in the three full games he's played with him, 28 catches, 288 yards, and a touchdown in weeks two through four. So that connection is there, and he still is a number one receiver with Herbert at quarterback. But let's get to the worst grades of the group. And you start with the tight ends who finish just under the receiver's B grade with a B minus. And Hunter Henry is doing what we thought he would do if he stayed healthy. But the two lower grades on this list are the offensive line who come in with a D and the running backs who got off to a hot start to the season coming in at a C plus now with Austin Eckler injured. But these are the groups that have to get better for the Chargers, David, if they're going to turn it around in the second part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you look at Hunter Henry at the tight end position and you're excited about what you've seen. We all knew that if Hunter Henry was able to stay healthy, that he was going to be able to go out there and produce. And also, he's been a great blocker as well, a good pass blocker and a good run blocker. I mean, that's what you come to expect out of Hunter Henry, just a true professional there. Also, you get contributions from Donald Parham Jr. getting a touchdown. And then, yeah, the running backs with Austin Eckler in the fold, the Chargers were ripping off 150-plus yards on the ground per game and then when he goes down with the injury things change drastically it goes down to about 75 yards rushing per game and it's just way way less efficient you had Justin Jackson has shown a couple of good things unfortunately Joshua Kelly has struggled the last couple of games so hopefully he can get back on his feet and start performing well the offensive line has been very bad the first couple weeks they've been decent but they progressively got worse game after game Daniel and also Trey Turner and Brian Balaga a couple of guys they invested a lot in in the offseason whether that be via trade or through free agency with a lot of money we have not seen a lot from them they have been injured most of the season hopefully after the bye week they can come back ready to go you would have to think they might be able to just because they didn't go on injured reserve but after an impressive start for joshua kelly the last two games he has 20 carries for only 36 yards so that has come down back to earth a lot since the loss of austin eckler but these are the three main position groups that have to change for the chargers if they're going to try to correct a one and four start to their season but the good news is is they have one of the softest remaining schedules in the nfl to get it done and hopefully those injury reinforcements come back after the bye but we do have two more segments to get into because we have some voicemails we're going to be getting into coaching john kegley's and negativity and much more coming up right after this but first i need to tell you guys that it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction usually brush it off or blame ourselves but roman is here to get you the advice that you want and the help that you need with no shame With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. 
The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. To get going, just go to roman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be a tough talk, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash locked on, all caps, one word for $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash locked on. All right, well, it's time to get into some more fan voicemails. I'm glad you guys had a lot of questions going into the Chargers bye week, and we wanted to try to get to as many of them as we can. So some of these are going to be from right after the game with things to talk about, and some will be a little bit later than that. But if you haven't called in or you don't know the number, if you guys want to get your voices on the show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to play every Chargers voicemail on the show. But we're going to go to one of our most reliable callers here first. We have Craig in Texas. Craig, I know you called twice, but just to try to keep it a little bit shorter, I merged both of your two calls. So let's hear what Craig has for us after the Chargers' last heartbreaking loss. What's up, fellas? Craig in Texas. Oh, another week, another heartbreak. This one's rough because um, sort of a carbon copy of last week uh, where you could just kind of feel it, but it was a little differently in the way that um, – the first half ended where it wasn't a turn on a turnover and then points, but just giving up points before the half and uh, having momentum swing like that is becoming a way too common thing. Getting out to these leads in the first half, the defense showing up and playing really well, and then coming out in the second half and laying eggs is just it's getting really old and uh, it just really have gotten to the point of, and I know that I stress this pretty often, you guys see it on Twitter, I call in and talk about it all the time. Gus Bradley, man, he has no plan B, and it becomes very apparent that at half times of games, teams go in and adjust to what he trotted out there in the first half, and they come out and carve it up, especially these older Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks. They see it, they go in, they make the adjustments. Meanwhile, Gus comes back out and does the same thing. And ton of injuries. We can't ignore those. I mean, there are only so many third, fourth team guys you can roll on out there and expect to perform at a you know a top level. So all that in consideration. End of the day, uh, I feel really bad for Justin Herbert because nobody expected this kid to be what he is right now. Really, maybe even ever. And the only reason we've been in these games is because of him. We're actually losing games because of everything else except the quarterback. It's like the reverse Phillip Rivers trend. It is the weirdest thing ever. But um really feel bad for him and also Anthony Lynn. And I know a lot of people aren't huge on Lynn. Um, he's not perfect by any means. But, man, like I said before, he doesn't kick field goals. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't carry the ball. He doesn't call the plays. I mean, he's the head coach. Ultimately, everything trickles down, down from him. So ultimately, he'll catch flack at the end, and it may end up costing his job. Um, the luster has completely wrong, or worn off of Mike Badgley for me. Um, last year, late last year, I was starting to feel a ways about him, a little questionable about some of the things in his performances and the inconsistencies. And, man, um I really hope we're not about to have another kicker issue. It's trending that way, but 
I really want to hold out hope for the kid, and I'm fingers crossed that he gets this turned around. But he could just be another one of those. We fell in love with them guys, and it took a season, season and a half, and then everybody was like off the train, no longer enamored. Um, but part two, man, John Kegley, chill out, man. I get that you're like Mr. Devil's Advocate for the most part, and sometimes you are like doom and gloom. But, dude, have some faith during these games. I know it's rough. Hell, I have to talk myself into it most weeks. But, dude, you got to stop putting this bad energy out there. It's not helping anybody. you got to hold it together. Hopefully, after the bye, we get some reinforcements and um, can make something of the season. But, man, uh, these injuries and these tough losses getting really tough to bear. But appreciate you guys as always. Bull ganger don't bang, bolts up. Later. Yeah, I mean, Craig, I feel like the voice is going to start the same t- way every week. You know, just a different way of the Chargers doing the same thing. Two back-to-back weeks with 17-point leads that they can't do. Gus Bradley, 100% agree, has no plan B. The halftime adjustments have always gotten the best of this team, and especially in the last couple of games where the teams are scoring seemingly at will in the second half. And you don't know how much of that is injuries or how much of that is in the second half. The Chargers offense going into a shell and tiring out their defense because they're on the field too much. But we all know how we feel about Gus Bradley's defense and the adjustments that don't get made. But I think we all, for the money, Badger have lost a lot of face. He has now been revoked of that nickname. So now he's just Michael Badgley, which just doesn't sound anywhere as cool as the money Badger does. But it's hard to say that the Chargers are going to just go into another kicking situation where they're trying out a bunch of different kickers, but we're all pulling for them. But if it doesn't stop, they're going to have to look at other options. But I want to talk about John Kegley, David, because we all see what John Kegley puts on Twitter during the games. And part of the reason I love having John on the show is because he is that dose of realism. He's a guy that is going to always call this team out for the flaws he has. And he's not happy unless there's victories. And even in the victories, sometimes when they don't play well enough, he's upset about that too. But John, I know... But, David, I know that you know exactly how Craig feels here about the negative energy coming from John Kegley during the games. Obviously, it doesn't change the result, but you don't want to see John talking about the team choking before they actually choke. No, you don't. It definitely gets annoying for me, even you know, even though I talk to John and we've been doing podcasts together for many years now. It's still a little bit too much for me to handle from time to time, but... The thing is, John is always going to be himself. He's always going to be 100% John, and if he feels a certain way, he's going to put it out there, and he doesn't care about what your opinion is, quite frankly. I mean, that's just who John Kegley is. That's just what you're going to get. But yes, my suggestion, though, is probably just to maybe mute John during the games. Because oh, no. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't want to see what, what John has to say, or if, you, if things get a little bit too real, then... John might not be the account you want to look at during the games. But after the games, you definitely want to tune in for the analysis because the the Chargers Encyclopedia definitely is going to have an opinion. But, yeah, a little bit too much to handle from time to time, but that's just John. Yeah, and the reason I said David specifically is because David told him to shut up on Twitter when he said the Chargers were going to choke. I think later on he said the Chargers were going to win by a field goal, too. He does make a lot of predictions and stuff on there, too. But it's hard for him to have faith, Craig, because we all know when you have faith in this team is when they can hurt you the most because that's when, you know, the game just starts to slip away. But 
I get what you're saying about Gus Bradley. I definitely understand what you're saying about Anthony Lynn. He isn't the guy out there making the mistakes and those things. You just have to wonder how much of Shane Steichen's second half play calling has Anthony Lynn's fingerprints all over it. Because I always go back to the game where Anthony Lynn is yelling bow up from the sideline. And it's Ken Wisenhunt calling the plays then. But you just have an idea of what Anthony Lynn wants in those situations. But Anthony Lynn's also saying he wants to put these teams away. So it's hard to tell. From that aspect, but let's get to Zach from Florida calling in. Zach, we had a few, but I like this one the best. So let's hear what Zach has for us this week. Hey guys, Zach from Florida again. So I don't know how you feel about Colin Coward, but he's always hit and miss for me with when it comes to Chargers talk. Sometimes he likes them, sometimes he doesn't. But in a recent thing tonight, he talked about how. Justin Herbert is a rock star, but he wonders, are the Chargers going to screw that up? Is this coaching staff going to be able to utilize him in a way that makes him successful for this team? So I know that's a loaded question, and maybe it's too early to tell, but with how good – Justin Herbert has been, even as a rookie, comma, is there a chance that the Chargers can screw this up? Want to get your thoughts and bolt up? So a lot of times you don't really hear a lot of Chargers national media attention. I know that with Justin Herbert bursting onto the scene, you have guys like Pat McAfee talking about him a lot. Colin Coward talks about him a lot. And he has put the Chargers in the headlines, you know, for better or for worse, usually, which is how amazed people have been with this play. But David, you'd be lying if you said there wasn't some small part of you that it's hoping that the Chargers aren't going to mess this thing up with Justin Herbert just because it has been so good so far. And we've seen the Chargers not take care of Phillip Rivers in this time. And that's a conversation we had many times back in the day. So you have to hope that the Chargers can do what they couldn't do with Phillip Rivers and keep building a team around this guy that is not going to ruin what obvious potential he has. Yeah, I mean, to answer the question, can the Chargers mess this up? Absolutely they can. We've seen it before. I mean, remember a guy by the name of Ryan Leaf? Uh, Yeah, that didn't work out too well. I mean, he he was taken uh, next to a guy by the name of Peyton Manning. I don't know. You've probably heard of him. Uh, But, yeah, definitely they can. But I think the Chargers have been smart about this. I mean, they go out and get a QB coach that, you know, they have a lot of faith in and uh, that they picked specifically to work closely with Justin Herbert and to own his development. And it seems like that move has definitely paid off. But I don't I think the Chargers have to continue to be careful with this. They have to try to protect Justin Herbert. But also, you know, hey, you're gonna have to live with the mistakes. I think the Chargers have done a good job so far, but I think you want to keep, you know, things simple until you're ready to see him fly a hundred percent. Absolutely. And I do think that this coaching staff has done a good job of not putting too much on his plate too often. Obviously, in late-game situations, in that sense, they have because they've asked him to do way too much at the end of games to put the team on his back to go win games. But as far as the play calling, running play action, or not having him just drop back on every snap like they used to do with Phillip Rivers, getting him on the move, of course, we'd like to see that stuff more often. But they have done a good job of trying to protect him in that sense, even last game running the football With no effectiveness, obviously it hangs him out to dry in third and ten, but you have to wonder if some of that was just we can't have him keep dropping back and taking these hits. But we have much more to talk about 
with this coaching staff. But first, we're going to talk about something we may have missed as far as a coaching mistake that happened during the game. This time is Jay. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, guys. My name is Jay. And something that I haven't heard even discussed yet, but I felt was a coaching error possibly, was when the Chargers scored that third touchdown. Um, and, of course, the first point after had been missed. I really felt that they should have gone for two. As was noted, their red zone scoring is, is happening now, and uh, they were on a roll. So if you miss it, at that point, another point missed doesn't really matter because the field goal can make it up. So why not go for two and get that extra point back? Anyway, appreciate the podcast, guys. So I don't think we did get into this part specifically. I know that the drive you're talking about, the touchdown that you're talking about, is the touchdown where the Chargers were going up 20-3 to to get that 17-point lead that would later disappear. But this is kind of a question as old as time as far as football goes. Do you go for two early on to try to chase the point that you missed? Or do you just keep on adding point afters and go on from there? So in this sense, I didn't have that much of a problem with it. I mean, obviously you can't miss the PAT. You're in the first half and you're chasing that one point. The point puts it from 17 points to 18 points, which isn't a hugely significant difference. It means that they have to go to two for two at some point to catch up to you, which is something that you already should have had. I don't know, David. I mean, obviously I think that it's kind of a, a personal coaching call right there to decide to go to too early I get what he's saying about the Chargers offense rolling in the first half but for me personally I'm not trying to chase those points in the first half necessarily either yeah I mean I understand the thought process behind wanting to go for two there but also you know you got to remember Anthony Lynn gets these real-time information like analytics fed into his headset when he's going to make these decisions so he you know relies on this very heavily so the analytics are against making a, the decision to go for two. But personally for me, I think sometimes you have to feel how the momentum of the game is going. If you're rolling on offense and you feel like they just can't do anything to stop you, then yeah, I, I think go for two. I feel like, hey, the Chargers just scored a, a great touchdown. They had offensive momentum there. I think it, was, it should have been a, a great opportunity for them to go grab the two points that they missed or grab that extra point that they missed earlier in the game. I think it would have been a great decision to go for two because he had the offensive momentum to back that decision up. But hey, he didn't make the decision and uh, obviously always hindsight is 2020. Yeah, the only analytics part of it, I don't necessarily get. I mean, I know that if you're coming from behind, they say analytically you should go for two on the first touchdown, say you're behind 15 points. You go for two the first time just so you can see how the rest of the game plays out from there. If you don't get it, you know exactly what you need in that situation. But I would wonder what those analytics people are telling him, you know, in the overtime game against Kansas City Chiefs on fourth and one on their own side of his field when that was analytically seen as one of the worst coaching decisions of that week. And also when he decided to give it back to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers late in that game where they ended up going and taking the lead. So you have to wonder how you know if he's getting that information and making decisions off of it or if he's getting it and then still deciding to go with his gut but that part of it's kind of impossible to know but we do have a few more voicemails to get into we're going to get into how we're feeling about the second half of this season and some more injury issues for the Chargers coming up right after this but first I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet and of course I'm talking about Built Bar which is even now more deliciouser than it has ever been they have a bunch of flavors you can get 18 in total caramel brownie coconut almond 
peanut butter and banana bread. And the best part about Built Bar is you don't have to make the exchange to get something that tastes great and also is healthy for you. You don't have to have one or the other anymore. And the bars are all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy and it's also great for people that are on the keto diet. And right now we have a special offer for our listeners. You can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, it's time to get into a few more of these voicemails and this time we have Ryan from Huntington Beach, somebody who's called in before, and he's actually feeling pretty positive going into the backstretch of the season. Let's hear what Ryan has for us. Hello, this is Ryan from Huntington Beach, uh, positive Charger fan here. I'm calling it right now. We're making a run. We're going to make the playoffs. Don't know about the Super Bowl, but I feel like the playoffs are coming. Everyone's coming back from injury. I feel good about it. What do you guys feel? Let's do this. Well, David, I love that positive energy. I know the Chargers, I think, statistically have the softest schedule coming up for the rest of the season, even though they have a couple of pretty good teams in their division they're going to have to play a few more times in Kansas City and the Las Vegas Raiders. But how are you feeling? Are you feeling this vibe? I know you've also said that things are going to change drastically going forward for the Chargers. So how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I'm feeling great, actually. I'm I'm feeling the, the positivity train. I'm feeling the wave of of positive energy on this side of the podcast here. Uh, I feel great about it. I think the chargers are definitely going into the, a much softer part of their schedule where they're going up against teams that have similar records to themselves, but I don't think necessarily anywhere close to similar talent levels. And I think this is going to be the part of the schedule where Justin Herbert is going to get a couple of his first wins in the NFL. And I think the Chargers is going to be great for the chargers because as soon as they get, off to Schneid with Justin Herbert and get that win and be able to close out a game or be able to come back and actually finish a comeback and, and get that win secured. When you just get that losing mentality and that losing taste out of your mouth, I think that is when things are going to start swinging in the Chargers' favor. I don't know about playoffs, but uh, I do feel about I feel a lot more comfortable going into this part of the, the, the schedule as I did the last three or four games. Yeah, I mean, you have a chance to get right. You get to go into Jacksonville. You get games against the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos, who beat the Patriots on Sunday, surprisingly. But you still think the Chargers have a good shot, at least in that game, to get another win. But it'll be interesting to see how this goes. It's hard right now. I mean, of course, I'm still very cautious about my predictions for the rest of the season because there's just still things we haven't seen from this team. I mean... They can lose to any team on any given week, and they can play up to the standards of teams that are probably a lot better and more healthy than they are, too. So I definitely think the Chargers could rattle off a few, and I 100% agree. I think if they are the reason that they win a game, if they score a late touchdown, if they get a takeaway with the game on the line, I think it would just do wonders for this team's mentality at the end of games, just believing that someone is going to be there to make a play and somehow that they're going to end up on top. But let's get into the next voicemail. This time we have Nolan from Sacramento, a first-time caller. Let's hear what Nolan has for us. Hey, guys. This is Nolan from Sacramento, first-time caller. I had two questions. The first is the reiteration of the concern about the coaching. It seems to be a real problem in the sense that neither side of the ball really knows what they're doing, and we're winning or at least competing simply off of talent. On the offense, the running straight into the back of the center behind a horrible injured offensive line all the time, 
puts us behind the eight ball and Herbert has to bail us out or our running backs have to make great plays, even if it just ends up in a few yards. There's no real motion like you see a lot of the great offenses do around the league, and there seems to be lack of aggression, especially when we're up. I get the whole milking the clock aspect, but when you can't consistently get first downs on the ground and sustain drives, it's almost committing to wasting like two minutes off the clock and giving it back to the defense. And this goes hand-in-hand with the defense being super vanilla. Just Bradley just runs the same thing over and over and over. I understand catering to his team, but when do we mix it up and help out our injured defense by getting more aggressive and forcing the offense to make a play instead of killing us by a thousand cuts like we see so often? Our corners aren't very fast, so why don't we play more bump and run but two over the top instead of forcing to do cover three and giving a ton of room for these easy completions that GQBs know how to take advantage of? I know they're injured a ton, but at what point does the coaching start helping the talent and not the other way around? And if they're going to be that stubborn when there's a ton of analytics saying otherwise, when is it a time for change on both sides? My second question is about the injuries. It truly sucks to have a top five or so team just based on talent, but we never get to see that talent together for more than like a game, it seems. And this has been a theme for a few years now. When does it become a systemic issue and not just bad luck? Especially when our coaching doesn't help the cause, we especially need our top-end talent to win. Also, what is going on with Turner and Belaga? I feel like I just get the notification of do not practice, do not practice, do not practice, and then out for every game, every week, with no real update as to what's going on. They were supposed to be big-time additions to our team and would maybe help the offense's vanilla play call, but they can't even stay on the field, and they weren't placed on IR, so what's the deal with them? Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Yeah, no, and I definitely understand what you're saying, and obviously coaching is something that we've been harping on pretty frequently over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we're not just out here hoping to fire everyone on any given show, but it's understandable to be very upset with what you've seen, and I understand, especially offensively, the running right up the middle and really setting themselves behind as far as down and distances and staying on track offensively, and for Gus Bradley... I mean, I wish there was times where we could see some, you know, cover two man where you're just bumping at the line of scrimmage. You're getting physical with wide receivers trying to disrupt routes while still having some protection on the back end. But I just don't know if it's in Gus Bradley's DNA. And you're 100% right that if you're the coach, obviously the injuries have a lot to do with it. And I think with the talent on this defense, it could have carried Gus Bradley to a very productive looking defense statistically. But you also have to be able to elevate the whole of your defense instead of just relying on the individual talented parts and you just don't have faith that Gus Bradley can elevate this defense with the pieces that they have remaining. But let's focus on the injuries because it is a systemic issue with the Chargers because it's something that comes back year after year and it's hard to know whether it's Tom Telesco getting injury-prone players or a training staff not taking care or getting these guys ready to hopefully at least prevent some preventable Injuries and the other thing is the team doctors, how they're diagnosing things and how they are treating players who are already injured. So all of those things are weird, David, but and, and they're hard to kind of quantify as far as who gets what percentage of the blame. But I do think we are all frustrated with how this team goes about talking about its injured players, in this case, Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga, two guys that we all thought were going to help the Chargers offensive line tremendously and have missed all but one game pretty much between the two of them and it's just so annoying with this team, David, because Anthony Lynn is only ever going to give a timeline like day-to-day, week-to-week, or just be totally vague. We saw it with Michael Badgley last year, Nazir Adderley even, a misdiagnosis of his injury, and now we're seeing it this year with two guys who didn't go on IR but have now been out at least three weeks. 
Right, which I don't understand. I mean, if these guys were not going to be healthy like that, were, were going to be that injured, then why not put them on IR and try to get some other pieces on the team that might be able to help you win football games? I just I don't get it. And it, I mean, clearly they weren't ready to go. So I don't know why they didn't make that decision. And yes, I mean, with all the injuries year after year after year, it's hard to understand or try to figure out why these things are happening i mean yes it's football these things happen but i think it's honestly a little bit of everything <laughs> I, I think you know the off season it definitely didn't help the lack of preparation you know i think a lot of guys have come out and said that it's affected them as well um and also the the training staff i mean we've already seen what happened with tyrod so i mean and with anthony land he just he is very mum on injuries he just does not say anything his favorite little line is i don't want to put a timetable on players injuries which i mean as a head coach you don't want to you know give out any information to anyone for any reason so i get it but you know it it seems like hey we would have been better if you just gave us a more accurate timeline if you received that information I, you can do that in a way that you're not giving away information to the other team as well. I just It's just not something we've seen from Anthony Lynn, and I just don't believe that we're going to see any changes at this point. Well, the frustrating thing, I think, is when he doesn't say it, it just seems like the Chargers have no idea when these guys are getting back or no idea how severe these injuries are. I mean, if they're not going on IR, you would think that would mean that the Chargers and their training staff, and it was the medical staff that obviously ended up puncturing Tyrod Taylor's lungs, but the rehab guys they have on this field to bring players back to work them through some of these issues, especially soft tissue injuries. You would think those guys would be the people held accountable as far as getting these players back on the field. But if it's a misdiagnosed injury, that's obviously harder. It's just so tough to tell with these guys. But when you don't put them on IR, like you did with Michael Badgley last year, that ended up missing like half the season. It just seems like you don't know how bad these injuries are. And any timeline we ever get is usually from an NFL reporter out of something that's leaked. So it's really infuriating, but it doesn't really make any sense at all how these injuries have gone with Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner. Just sit them out for a couple weeks and get them totally healthy instead of putting injured guys on the field and then getting surprised when they have to leave the game again due to injuries. But we have one more voicemail to get into. This is Joe from Jersey, who we didn't get to get to in last week's episode and he's giving us another post game recap let's hear what he has to say hey guys joe from jersey game just ended i could have predicted that ending in fact i told my wife before the game i'm expecting to get absolutely shellacked watch they're going to come back they're going to come up and they're going to actually be winning and then they're going to blow it and sure enough they did so um just uh, another typical charger loss another way to you know have a suffering uh a suffering uh, night, I suppose you'd say. Um, I'm going to start off negative, but then I'm going to end positive. So you'll kind of get it. You're probably wondering why am I going to go positive. But anyway, I'll get there. Um, this is just another typical sign where, where we need to get rid of somebody. Somebody needs to go. And I said this last week, and I'd say it again. Coach Lynn, not not working out. Gus Bradley, not working out. Uh, Shane Steichen, not working out. It's just the, the lack of aggressiveness on defense or lack of aggressive play calling. Uh, Herbert did everything he could possibly do, everything he could possibly do, and to win the game. And, you know, with no offensive line at all. I know they all hurt, but they're all, they're awful, 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 awful. Anyway, that something's got to give. I, I don't know if you changed your opinion or not. 
I know I heard I heard your response, and I thank you for playing my call uh, every week. I look forward to actually hearing you reply to my 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 uh, my call because I live in New Jersey, and there's nobody who's a Charger fan here except a couple people. And I was actually watching the game with somebody, um, and we were just saying we're just waiting for the other, the other shoe to drop. We're just waiting for somebody else to get hurt. You know, Keenan Allen again hurt. I mean, every week it's somebody different. I'm surprised Bosa made it through the game. Anyway. The positive. I just want to thank you for your show. Uh, you guys are, are great. Um, again, I kind of relate back to the positive. You guys are a good outlet. Um, you're my counseling session. Um, I just uh, appreciate your call. I mean, your your show, and I appreciate you taking my call. And um, you know, I want to say Gold Bolts. I, I'm a still a Charger fan, but this is just. I I don't know how many more losses like this we could take. That's why I think Lynn and the whole culture has got to change. They keep saying the culture's changed. Culture's changed. It's not changed. It's the same. Same show every single time. Anyway, which response? Take care. Go Bulls. Yeah, I think we're all pretty fed up with the lack of aggressiveness from this coaching staff, especially, you know, what we saw from the Chargers. I think last week there were 18 rushes on first down for 20 yards or something along those lines. And I think it was just the lack of production on first down in general, especially when the Chargers were up. They're not trying to take any shots on first down. They're not doing the great play action that we've seen at certain times with them. And then it's just, you know, trying to protect the quarterback by running for a one-yard game. But I definitely appreciate you saying that. We always want to give you guys this platform, David, to really be able to get your thoughts on the show. And then a lot of times you guys think of things that we didn't even think of. So for you, especially people that don't live in areas where they can turn on local news and find out what the Chargers are up to or get somebody to talk about the Chargers, that's why we do this kind of thing so everybody can keep up to date with their own team. But I appreciate you saying that about the voicemails and getting your voicemail played on the show. I know how cool it was when I've done that in the past to sports radio. So that's why we're always trying to keep this guys, this platform open for you guys. And like I said, you guys bring a lot of good content that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. We completely uh, appreciate all of your opinions and we thank you for taking the time out to call us to give us your, your, you know, your takes on the game and, and everything that you watch and you observe because, I mean, this is an interaction, interactive platform. Yeah, we do the shows and, you know, we're the, you know, experts of the analysts here, but we don't have a show without you guys. So we really appreciate all the calls, all the voicemails. Uh, I mean, it definitely uh, gives us some interesting things to talk about from week to week. And like Daniel said, he, you you guys might bring up something that we did not see and we did and that we missed. Um, and also, hey, it's football. We all love this team. We all love the Chargers, and we all know they can be incredibly infuriating. And so, you do need to vent. It is essential when you are a Chargers fan. Absolutely, and you have to be able to be pretty thick-skinned too, because you know everyone knows what it feels like for the Chargers to break your heart, especially in excruciating fashion. They haven't had a single game this year that hasn't been a one-score game. So. We're right there with you guys because a lot of times we had to watch these games twice. We had to get on here and talk about these heartbreaking losses. And it just sucks at times. But having you guys be able to call in and get your thoughts on the show and bring your perspectives, even getting some positive perspective this week. So I definitely love that. And we'll have much more of that for you guys going forward. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow we're going to look at you know some of the surprises so far through the first five weeks of the season for the Chargers and also get into some things that have to change for them going down the stretch so they can be successful in these last 11 games that they have for this season and to really turn things around. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers as well as 
subscribing to us or giving us a follow wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us there, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever. If you subscribe, that's always the easiest and fastest way to get the show every day. But for everyone who wants to get on the next voicemail show, once again, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get all your guys' voicemails played on the show. But we'll be trying to fix the Charger season tomorrow with John Kegley. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.